You might have a hard time playing a game, but do you ever have difficulty telling why a game is difficult? Tonight on the VG Thought Commune Podcast, Difficulty and How We Define Words. Hello, everybody. This is the Commune Podcast. This week we're talking about Master of Darkness uh, for the Sega Master System and Game Gear. It's our second episode on the topic. Uh, I have four guests with me this week. In no order in particular, I'm going to introduce them. There's uh, Shouty the Fool. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Uh, Zanrio, um, how are things for you? Yeah, I'm great. Alright, that's good. Uh, Supeg, uh, what is your demeanor? I'm doing quite well, thank you. Okay. And, uh, and Wario fan, how are things on the old ranch? Well, it's, uh, it's raining out, but otherwise I'm alright. Okay, good. And, uh, that's WarioFan63, not just WarioFan, but we call him WarioFan for short. I, myself, am Golem. Um, so let's, uh... Let's just uh, dig into some general game stuff before we get too heavy into Master of Darkness. We got some uh, heady topics this week. Shouty, what games have you been playing since last week? Um, just recently I played this indie game called uh, Celestial Mechanica. It's um, it's like a, a platform adventure, kind of like Metroid. You collect uh, power-ups and use them to progress through the level design. And uh, it's it's a... Uh, not anything special, but it was an interesting thing. Did I think it taught me something about level design. Um, before we ask about the level design, like, did you say that was freeware? Or? Yeah, it's freeware. Well, um, right now it's freeware because it's in this free bundle package. Uh, but um, normally you'd have to pay money. Okay. Um, it, but what was the level design thing you mentioned? Uh. It's like, um, it's nothing special. You just collect power-ups and, and use and push blocks or, uh, jump twice as high. Stuff you might projectiles. expect. Okay. <clears throat> uh, t- sorry everybody, I got a cold this week. I'm gonna see how much I can edit that out. Um, so, uh, Sanrio, have you been playing anything since last week? I think last week you were on Epic Yarn. Yeah, well, I just beat... Wario Land 2. Oh, is that uh, on 3DS? Yeah. 3DS Virtual Console. What do you think of it? No, I like it. It's a very fun game. High five. I think that's that's my favorite Wario game. Yeah, I, I think my favorite is Wario Land 4. <laughs> yeah, that, they're all pretty quality. Yes, I like the whole Wario Land series. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty solid overall. Uh, Soup, do you uh, do you play video games? Uh, I play the occasional video game. Um, recently, I've been playing Anarchy Reigns on PS3, and uh, which is fun. And um, like this little uh, indie game um, called uh, Batman Arkham Asylum. Um, what, I, or Arkham I, City, actually. So I haven't heard. What? 
What is that for? Um, it, uh, I got it for the Wii U. So, um, I get all kinds of uh, shoehorned uh, Wii U features. It's wonderful. Well, that, I mean, I have trouble putting shoes on sometimes, so I can understand. <laughs> um, Wario fan, how many, how many video games are in the past week for you? Well, I've sort of been uh, drifting between the void of uh, games right now, looking for something to play. But I've been I've been uh, screwing around with Jetpack Joyride. Oh, that's that, that's supposed to be a big one, right? Yeah, I guess so. <clears throat> you know, in the in the iPhone verse, right? I mean, I've been playing on iPhone, but it's it's big in the iPhone verse. Uh, I myself have been collecting phlegm in my throat. Um, it's a fun game. Yes, I've also been playing. Uh, been playing the cave, and there's not too much gameplay to it, but it has nice aesthetics. Um, the puzzles are super easy. It's kind of cathartic, which is perfect for having a cold. Isn't it kind of like a Euro platformer, like uh, Dizzy Adventure? It's uh, yeah. I would say it's kind of like a Euro platformer, um, except that like stuff like Dizzy's Adventure and uh, Monty Mole generally have Monty danger. on the Run. What? It's Monty on the Run. Well, Monty is the first game in the series, right? I know it's a series. I know it's a series. Do I have to be the ignorant fool to ask what the hell a Euro platformer is? No, Shouty's the fool. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, Shouty, do you want to say or should I? I think you'll explain it better. Okay. Euro platformers are like, uh, on the Commodore 64, the only way people understood how to make platformers was to make them all about fetch quests, where you pick up items and bring them to other places. Um, and there are other types of platformers too, like there's Turrican, uh, which is a shooter. Like Contra, um, but for the most part, they're just like fetch quests, and it's really bizarre. But that's just what Europe was back then. Also, okay. have really awkward control schemes. Uh, that the cave does not inherit that. <laughs> yeah, from what I've seen, and I'm flipping through the air like that's crazy. Right. Or why do they or all they... flip? They're all Samus. I think they just want to show off the animation because. Like the technology at the time, uh, they could flip really simple object and have it look good. So that's why they made the Zenig. Oh yeah, okay. It's easy to use terms and not know precisely what we're saying. With Master of Darkness as our reference, let's take a look at what we think of the term artificial difficulty. Is there a single definition of artificial difficulty that we can point to, uh, Sute? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, for this game, the artificial difficulty, I think, came from just kicking you back too far. I think that's what a lot of artificial difficulty is. Just frustrating you with making you replay huge parts of the game over and over and over again. As opposed to, like, restoring you to just the part before the challenging part. And then having you do that again. 
so that's a lot of artificial difficulty. So at least part of the definition of artificial difficulty, like as a general thing, aside from Master of Darkness, is um, <clears throat> when a game makes you replay parts that you're perfectly capable of doing, um, that you would already learn, uh, that's no longer challenging or interesting to you. Uh, that that's correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, Wario fan, do you have what's what's your vision of artificial difficulty? Oh boy, um, I I uh, I I don't really have a response to this. I guess you know what you said back there was pretty accurate. I can't think of anything to uh, contest that. So if you experienced that in the game, you would say, yeah, that's artificial difficulty. Out loud? Um, yeah, like you would, uh, Eureka, artificial difficulty. Of course, artificial difficulty. Meet again. <laughs> Shouty, do you, like, what do you consider artificial difficulty? Um, I think, uh, in the vaguest sense, it's, um, any difficulty that was not intended on the part of the game designer. Ooh, so you take, uh... Rather than read a response, you take an author authorial influence. Yes. I see. I that see. If, if, like, there's something in the game that the game designer had not planned, and it ends up being a problem for the gamer to get through, it's artificial difficulty. So, uh, if there's a glitch in Master of Darkness where I constantly uh, fall through a floor and that should be there, or something stupid like that, that would be artificial difficulty? Yes. Unless it was planned. Uh, right, unless it was, yeah. Um, I like that one. Uh, yeah. But, um, I think just in terms of level design, not necessarily program glitches, like, if you're supposed to do something, but you can't get through it, because the level design is too poorly uh, planned, uh, it's, it, I would consider it artificial difficulty. The designer uh, puts something in there and doesn't realize how difficult it is. And yes. It's minor. Yes, that's what I mean. Okay, that's uh, that's interesting. Actually, it's just ineptitude. So level five one then. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I think that was intended. That yeah, I, mean, I would I agree with. Later. Uh, um, and Zanrio, do you have uh, what do you think of as artificial difficulty? What Shoddy said, when when the game is harder than it's supposed to be. Okay. Because of things like poor level design or something. Yeah, I, I'll agree that that's like a... That's a good general purpose definition. Um, yeah, harder than it's supposed to be. Right. I think yeah. the guiding three. Yeah, I would say the the punishing, sending you backwards thing, that's like one aspect of something that can be um, more difficult than the design. Artificially difficult. Yeah. But I think uh, Shouty's explanation was very all-encompassing. Yes. Um, I think another aspect is when you hit the faces for an item, um, and you get a knife, but you weren't expecting it. Yeah. And that's another... Oh, but that's, that's very yeah, intentional, I'm though. Right boss. 
Oh yeah. Oh, it's happens. That or that might just be a jerk boss. move on. But I think yes. that just might be a jerk move on the the level designer. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that kind of thing is very intentional. There's no reason ever to give you a knife. <laughs> so to infuriate you. I actually discovered last yeah. night um that the knife does less than one half a bubble of damage to the fourth boss. Oh, yeah. 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 I discovered that oh. too, actually. That was, uh, that was interesting. Um, uh. I guess I may as well come clean here and say I don't believe in artificial difficulty. Um, I'm a heretic. Heretic. Level. So, that's where I come from in this, uh, discussion. Uh, I don't... <clears throat> it doesn't make sense to me that difficulty would be artificial. It's either difficult or not. I guess that's just the way mm. I view it. But I can, like, discuss things from the perspectives of how Shouty or Soup or Mario Fan or Zan defines it. So you think whether or not the game designer intended for it, it's it's a, a legitimate difficulty? I don't think that there is such a thing as legitimate or illegitimate difficulty. It's just difficult <laughs> or not. No, just for the sake of... of uh, of, of, of an even playing field, you think there's either difficulty or not, if, 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 whether or not the game designer intended it. Yes, that's what I would say. Okay. Um, so even if it was a glitch? Yeah. When I asked, when I noted that you were a very uh, authorially influenced kind of guy, in the back of my head that was clashing with me because I'm very reader-response oriented, that's what I think just like that's generally how I operate what I find important in games or in books or in um, billboards. So it does make sense since without a reader or a gamer, you don't really have. It's it's kind of like in the game or like, like the piece of art, uh, if you want to consider video games art, are um it's, it's in limbo until someone experiences it. Exactly. Um, and on the other hand. That leaves you no author to look for for influence. Uh, the game wasn't intended by anyone. And I can't say a glitch was unintentional because the ether cannot intend things. But, <laughs> but, people can intend, but people can intend things, can't they? Well, if you assume that this is a universe where video games do not have <laughs> authors, <laughs> they just sort of appear well, in your console. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying, okay. On Christmas morning, I woke up and Super Mario World was there, and my my life was never the same. <laughs> Who put it there? You'll never know. I'll never know. It willed itself into existence. <laughs> anyway, um, so now that we have artificial difficulty defined, um, I, actually, yeah, are we just going to stick with that definition for the podcast? Uh, Shouty's definition of whether or not the Designer intended it. Yeah. Sounds good. But there could be other definitions, right? Just like... Yeah, Hypothetically? True. Okay. Um, so, I think, uh, based on how people answered that last question, this one's sort of a gimme. Uh, does Master of Darkness have artificial difficulty? A, in what sense? And B, if you can, name one particular moment. Um, I'm going to start with Xan on this one. Yeah, um, well, yeah, I 
mental at times. For example, sometimes I notice there's too many enemies at a time coming to unannounce and it's almost impossible to just kill or avoid them all. Yeah, so, there's a there's quite a few times where there'll be like three bats on screen and you're supposed to pin all of them and they're all like flying in conflicting directions. I think it becomes artificial when the slowdown There's that. There's uh there's slowdown in the game? Yes, there is. I know I noticed it a few times. I th I think by this point I just filter that out because I've played too many old games. I just don't notice it. I don't remember anything like that. I didn't it mostly either. happened uh, when I was uh, not killing every single enemy and just going forward. Oh. So then there would be a lot of monster sprites on screen and there was some slowdown. Right. Uh, that was it. If it was slowdown that the designers did not intend because they intended you to kill everything, <laughs> is, is that artificial slowdown? And well, mm. well, that's not true, actually. There are some uh, slowdown that designers may intend, at least after uh, uh, playtesting it, because Space Invaders has intended slowdown. Cave, and yeah, cave games are, they love slowdown. Wait, what? Treasure games. Huh? Oh. Oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, uh, oh. Zoop. Zoop? Soup. Um, <laughs> what was a part you thought was artificially difficult and. Mm, I guess we already answered in what sense. Yeah, um, well, um, if this is a good opportunity to jump into, uh, stage 4 1 right now, um. <laughs> For those who have not played the game, there are these goddamn hawk eagle things that just, like, swoop down at you. Normally the game, like, kind of teaches you how enemies work and uh, whatnot, but the eagles, there are, like, three or four different types of them, and you never know which one it is, so you don't know which attack pattern to expect, and, uh, and... And then you die because uh, the eagles are really stupid. And then uh, you abuse safe state and get your way through uh, stage four one. Um, and then you try to forget that it ever happened. Yeah, so those were annoying. I hate those. <laughs> so basically, I think the artificial difficulty comes from uh, the game is so much about. Uh, learning enemy patterns and knowing what to expect and like where to stand to hit an enemy. And with the eagles, it was nearly impossible because they had all these different attack patterns and you didn't know which one to expect. So I think that's where some of the artificial difficulty came in. So in that particular instance, um, the game designer, uh, Joe Blow, made three different kinds of eagles, gave them all the same sprite, but didn't realize that the player would just see the same sprite and not expect different AI. Um, potentially, uh, potentially he did intend that and he was just a dick. <laughs> That's either artificial difficulty or just dickery. Um, Wario fan, were there any moments you felt were uh, artificially difficult? Well, I, I don't know if I'm deviating too much from the definition here, but... Uh... Because when you play the game, you know you're 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 going from point A to point B pretty easily, right, left to right, you know, and then uh then you get to five one and it gets a little more mazy and uh, that kind of threw me off there. Um, 
the so entire game trained you to just move right forever. But right. then suddenly that last level expects something completely different of you. I can see how that would deviate from the definition. I guess I'm not sure I see like where the designer's intention comes in there. I like, think they the don't really expect you to explore in Master of Darkness. Mm. But in 5-1 you had to do that. Okay, I can see that, I think. I can't because in the in one of the cutscene in, in the cutscene before that level it outright tells you that you're in a labyrinth. Well, it's still so, I, there's a lot of things in the cutscenes that you don't really need to pay attention to. <laughs> <laughs> Am I the only one who read the cutscenes? I read them, but I like I just toss them out of my head. They're like Ninja Gaiden like, cutscenes. Ooh, cutscenes on the Master System. I look at the pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Great. We we don't have very not good what's reading. Wrong with America right now. What? <laughs> this is not what's wrong with America right now. <laughs> we're all, no, it's we're Transylvania. A loose, uh, nation. So we have an English major who looks at the pictures and cutscenes. <laughs> they they obey basic uh, tenets of composition. <laughs> okay. Uh. Uh. Speaking of cutscenes, Shouty, what did you think was like? Did, were there any artificially difficult parts for you? Um, I think uh, the aforementioned uh, getting a knife in the faces. Getting uh, a knife in the face. Yes, <laughs> it feels like getting a knife in the face. <laughs> but um, I think that's really the only artificially difficult thing I've had to deal with. So I just had to sort of inch my way away from. Uh, hit in the face and you know, pick up the item. Unless yeah. they're in midair, that usually means it's it's a, it's a one up. Yeah, there's a there's a pretty tricky one up in five one that I never managed to get. There is. Yeah. Oh yeah, there is. I got that. It's when you're falling through infinity. Yeah. In Dracula's castle, there's a portal to infinity there. <laughs> I'll just put the portal to this infinity is right here. Castle. This is. I don't even know the Generic name of the vampires. vampires. I think it is Dracula. It is? Yeah. Um, or maybe it's his brother. Like he was Magneto without a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Non-specific creature of the night. I got a Magneto vibe. I'm, that's all I'm saying. So it sounds like Master of Darkness could use some polishing. Yeah, I'd agree. Like a lot of other games at the time. Then again, I mean, no game is perfect. Well, so many games have polish. Um, okay. Bear in mind that the definition we settled on is hardly the only definition that's out there in use. For instance, uh, WarioFan and Soup actually implicitly spoke to a different definition. Uh, WarioFan, when he said he got to a labyrinth and wasn't expecting a maze and and it didn't quite know what to do at first. And then Soup uh, said it was artificially difficult when he was introduced to the owls, but wasn't given proper time to learn them. But he was given proper time to learn every other enemy in the game. Uh, between the two of them, they sort of, uh, they define artificial difficulty as difficulty that the player is not prepared for. And what's interesting is actually that TV Tropes defines fake difficulty uh, in the same way, that the player isn't really uh, prepared for certain challenges. Anyway, uh, now that we have that term defined, uh, kinda, let's move on to another term that 
Uh, kind of wish wasn't defined. Metroidvania. So, moving on, we've got a... I don't want to call it a quote of the week because I have no idea how often I'm going to do this. Uh, but it's a quote of the cast. And so, Christian Donlin of Eurogamer here is our... Um, I, actually, I don't know if Christian is a guy or a girl. That's, that could be either way, right? Usually a guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, Just refer to it as an entity. <laughs> I, Christian the Entity uh, is sort of going to be our... We're going to focus all of our frustrations on him, whether or not he deserves it. He's more uh, part of a problem than the source of the problem. So let me read you this quote. Bleach's Mansion, Dark Moon, is a Metroidvania in the way that the map on the bottom screen truly earns its place as you pour over the blueprints. Wondering if the room could be accessed from a hidden crawl space, and in a way that is perfectly willing to show you things that you're not yet ready to engage with. Um, and that's from Christian's review of Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon. So Shouty IMs me earlier this week and says, Look at this thing where the guy uses the word that's annoying. And the word in question is Metroidvania. Shouty, would you like to like to share what you think of his use of the word Metroidvania? Well, aside from it being a, a, a really terrible word, uh, he, he obviously doesn't use it correctly. This for me, because, I mean, we call them Metroidvanias largely because they're platformers in an open world. They're, they're not divided by levels. You go through them in one straight line, even though they can still be divided by sections. Like Metroid or Vania. Like Metroid Castlevania, or or the new Castlevanias. Right. Wario fan, do you have any uh, any response to Christian here? Um, what am I gonna talk to him personally now? <laughs> yeah, this is we're going to write a letter, and I need you to start it. An angry letter, an open letter to Christian Donlin. Because he's the only person who abuses this term. So I don't know. It, it sounds like he's descri describing a. I mean, this is how Luigi's Mansion worked on the GameCube, right? Yeah, and, so, I, and I mean, for that matter, that wasn't really um, that at all, was it? Resident Evil had a similar mansion map. Um, yeah. And they were just as much Metroidvanias as Dark Moon in that you would look at the map. Wait, what game? Resident Evil. Oh, yeah. When I spoke to you, I cited my example of Doom. Exactly. The first-person shooter, which has a sprawling map. It, it literally sprawls as you move through it. And if Luigi's Mansion could be a Metroidvania, then you, I, you could call Doom a Metroidvania. And that's the point at which you gotta say the buck stops here. Yes. And the Milwaukee buck. Um, <laughs> or at least not even start it because, you know, Metroidvania <laughs> is a terrible term. I, I'm behind you all the way. Um, <laughs> Supeg, do you, uh, do you have anything creative to say? Can you agree with Christian? Well, I prefer Castleroid myself, but. <laughs> um, I haven't played Luigi's Mansion, so I don't really know what. what? But... I mean, oh. <laughs> but from I the know sound your gamer it, license. From the sound of it, it's just like using a map to navigate. Which, um, to be fair, is a big part of Metroids and Vanias. Right, but we call them Metroidvanias because they're action-oriented platformers that have expansive platforming maps, and we can kind of like expand that 
like to Metroid Prime, even though it's 3D, we can pretty safely call it Metroidvania because it's the same sort of thing. Yeah. And also, I think another staple of Metroidvania is, is that you get power-ups and go back to places and re-access parts that you couldn't before. You do do that you just mentioned, though. I th- Christian makes a note in his review that uh, backtracking exists, but is not primal. Or yeah, it's not it's prime. Not, really is not necessary in Luigi's Mansion. Well, actually, I don't know. You, you do go back to, like, the first floor, even though that's, like, the second uh, act. Well, he's he's talking about Dark Moon, so we're just oh. going to have to take his word on that. We really can't argue with a game we haven't played. Um, like, to me, it sounds less like a Metroidvania and more just like a typical Zelda dungeon. Like, just a typical adventure game yeah. where you have a map that you use to navigate. Ocarina of Time is probably my favorite Zelda because it has nine Metroidvanias. <laughs> <laughs> it's a compilation. <laughs> yeah, Kirby Superstar. Like you, wouldn't, you wouldn't call Zelda a Metroidvania, though. You'd call it a Zeldavania. I'd call it an action-adventure. And I wouldn't call it a Metroid... I wouldn't call any game a Metroidvania, even if it fit the characteristics. I'd call it a platform adventure. Right. right. You you prefer Castle Road too, right? Um, yeah. Let's go with that. So, Shouty, uh, all joking aside, what is the problem with the term Metroidvania? It just speaks to a a very strict uh, sense of uh, characteristics that I think only Castlevania and Metroid really fall under. And even then, I don't think Castlevania and Metroid are really all that similar. So it's like it's like it's like counting them in, in the same term, even though I think that they have their own distinctions. That they should just be under the genre of platform adventure, along with other um, platform adventures like Cave Story. I I don't know if I can agree that Cave Story is just as much like Metroid as uh, as Castlevania. I think. Uh... No, I'm not. But that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's it's in its own genre of gaming. I'm saying that they're distinct enough that. You can create a genre, but not use a term like Metroidvania, where it's based off of uh, two games that have some uh, passing resemblance, just because they're platformers in an open world. Okay, yeah. power. I can agree with that. I think uh, I think that covers the topic. Mm-hmm. Let's return to the topic of difficulty for a moment. Maybe it'll help us to understand it if we pull it apart into discrete segments that we can look at in finer detail. Uh, For instance, I've always thought of difficulty as a meeting of reaction time and learning. Uh, Take the hawks. If you learn how each hawk moves, well, you can jump out of the way prematurely before you see what they're going to do. But if you have the proper reaction time, you can see that what each hawk is doing and then move out of the way if you're quick enough. I don't know if Dr. Social would really allow that, he's kind of a sluggish fellow, but, but you get the idea. Uh, if you have enough reaction time, you don't need to learn as much, and if you learn more, you don't need as much reaction time. So, using Master of Darkness as a reference, let's see how these two forces uh, play out. So I, I wanted to ask, which was more prominent for you in this game, 
Is it the reaction time, or was it the, lear or was it the learning, or was it like an, an equal parts thing? Uh, Supeg, what did you find? Uh, overall, this was definitely more of a learning game for me. There were just a lot of examples of reaction time, for me at least, being completely insufficient that you had to learn. Uh, for instance, like uh, in the House of Wax, there are these women that come out of the wall, and the first time it happens, there's like no time to react, because it just comes out of the wall and she's dashing at you right away. And so the first time that happens, you're probably going to get hit. But then you learn that that type of woman comes out of the wall like that. <laughs> so then you have to learn to expect it whenever it happens in the future. That's, um, that's an important life lesson. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, always look out for uh, wax women coming out of walls and attacking you from behind. And there, are al there were also, uh, like, there were these parts with, um, you know, the game teaches you for the most part to kind of be slow and plotting and plan out your jumps um, until one level where you are standing on a block and suddenly it falls. Um, what level is reaction that? Time, uh, I was, I was reaction time, I was... I was level 2-2. That was on 2-2. Two two. Um, okay. Reaction time, I did not have time to react uh, to that. Um... But it was also at the very, very beginning of the level, so when you die, you're right there again, and now you know, okay, that block's gonna fall, um, so I need to plan ahead and do that. Yeah. It's pretty much designed to kill you the first time, just so you learn about it. It's kind of a rude tutorial. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, how video games work. <laughs> so shouty, uh... What was the uh, dichotomy in your experience? I think it's uh, it's definitely learning for me because um, when I first played through the game, it was really difficult. Uh, but now, on my second playthrough, I, I beat it without any game overs, so I, I definitely learned how to uh, how to you know make this game easy for me. Um. Especially with the labyrinth part. Um, oh, yeah. But, like, you have to learn how to get to the labyrinth. You can't uh, reaction time your way out of the labyrinth, can you? No. <laughs> Jump over the labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if Dr. Zan... Wow, what am I... <laughs> Let me restart that sentence. What? Maybe if Dr. Social... Dr. Zan Rio. <laughs> <laughs> You're the next name on the list. I was looking at the... <laughs> Maybe if Dr. Social had reaction time, he wouldn't have ended up in the labyrinth. That was the sentence I wanted. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, it's all Dr. Social's reaction time. Uh, so, Dr. Zanrio, what, what what did you make of the reaction time? Was it more uh, reaction time or learning oriented, do you think? Um, yeah, um, I think I... Agree that it's more more about learning, since yeah, the, like I said, the levels were hard at first, but I just had to learn learn about how to get through it and everything. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. Um. 
So, Wario fan, it, it seems like we've come to a consensus here. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> I I don't know. I thought um I thought learning was more prominent for me. It was a very educational game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Doc Social is very kid friendly. <laughs> yeah, especially with Jack the Ripper. Oh yeah, he taught so many kids about. That. <laughs> Did you kids see homicide murderer? <laughs> He was just murdering women that um stayed up too late. I thought he murdered prostitutes. Ah! Which, which are women who stay up too late. <laughs> 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 I thought um, he said homicide murder. That's, as opposed to other types of murders. <laughs> well, I mean, there's some there's serial killers. But Jack the Ripper was a serial killer. <laughs> Serial yeah. killer and homicide murderer are not opposing forces. They're different teams in the NFL. What if you're an assassin? Assassins still murder via homicide. No, they assassinate. I, I thought... <laughs> this is professional. So, I'm just gonna be, be a hipster here and say that uh, I don't feel like I learned too much. Um... Dr. Social has a humongous health bar, and typically, something hits me once, maybe twice, before I manage to kill it. Um, so I don't think I successfully learned too much. Uh, I was mostly just, I saw something running at me, and I mashed the attack button, and if I was lucky, it went away. Uh, so that was my personal experience with Master of Darkness. I think that was definitely the case with bosses. Oh, like, yeah. I found I just strong-armed my way through bosses and absorbed a thousand hits and just until the boss was dead. Yep. I didn't. I didn't really learn their patterns. But uh, but you wouldn't say that's the case with the stages. No, I would not. Well, okay. I had learned patterns before I, unless I was just uh, killed by the attacks and everything before I had had to change to attack now. It felt like, um, there were a lot of opportunities to attack, though. Yeah. Well, usually I only attack um, two or three times each time before they start moving around again. Uh, but when you die, do you have to, do you start back at the boss or do you start the stage over? Start the stage. Nope. Back to stage. Oh, so that, yeah, I can't imagine that was fun. Yeah. Um, what weapon did you have for the bosses? Um, oh. usually hammer or sometimes the long sword thingy. The rapier. Yeah. But then there were times you get stuck with the knife, right? Actually, I'd like to apologize uh, because I think that's your cane. Wait, I thought we decided it was a battle hammer. No, no, it's a it's a cane because I mean it looks like. Like, like, it's like a long wooden stick with a, uh, a gray oblong part at the end, but it's actually arcane because he's holding it by the hand. Ah, oh, so you can use it. Yeah. Okay. 
and he's hitting enemies with the white end, which is not the, the filter. Hammer part, the hammerhead. <clears throat> um. Yeah. Oh, Dan, did you have anything more to say? Um. Yeah. I, what I learned was, do not attack the heads before the bosses. Oh yeah. <laughs> that, that was something you learned. Yes. That's uh. Actually, yeah, I did. Uh, I guess I ended up memorizing some of the item placements. Because yeah, that... that was the big thing for me. Yeah, me too. Yeah, there were a couple really annoying parts where there was um, there was an item head, but it was in like a very narrow corridor, so you couldn't really space yourself apart from it. it yeah, was either yeah. you were gonna get whatever was in the head, or you weren't. And so then you just had to pray it wasn't a knife. That was kind of a jerk <laughs> move, wasn't it? Master of Darkness is brought to you by the letter knife. That's not a letter. So, this next question uh, is a little tricky. Um, how much of your learning was intentional? Were there things you learned without even trying? Uh, did you ever need to sit back and observe enemies? Or were you just sort of caught up in the moment and learned things on the fly? Uh, Wario fan? Uh, for me, um, I, uh, I was trying to get the, uh, item locations down, so that, that definitely was intentional. I, I know I would, you know, go out of my way to, to get the extra lives, even if it would cost me a life. Because <laughs> they respawn. Yeah. Yeah, that's always convenient in those type of games. But did you notice yourself learning anything by not even trying? Uh, no, I don't think I did. <laughs> I don't think I noticed myself not noticing anything. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Zenrio, how, like, do you think you learned anything without even trying? Yeah, I'd, I'd say most of it was intentional. Memorizing, um, yeah, everything in level, and and such. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it was a very deliberate uh, learning process. Yeah, mostly. Um, Shouty, well, how about you? It was mostly deliberate for me. I, uh, especially with enemy patterns, and, like, mainly the wax women, because I would inch towards them uh, uh, to make sure I have enough room to hit them when, when they uh, come alive. Yeah, wax women are definitely, um... Yeah, you always keep an eye out. Um, yeah, but there's, yeah, there's also the aforementioned uh, item placements. Yeah. Memorizing item placements is kind of like uh, playing Super Mario Bros. Because you want to know where you can get items in that game from certain blocks. When you play Mario 3, you memorize where the fire flowers are so that you can avoid them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sufeg, how much of your learning was intentional? Was there anything going on in the background? Um, I think, well, there was, uh, some very forced unintentional learning. For instance, like, the first time you fall off a block that I mentioned, like those falling blocks, um, when something kills you, that's unintentional learning. I, um, I would agree with that, yeah. But uh, for the most part, it was very intentional. Uh, I was I was hanging back and watching enemy patterns a lot, and um, 
you know, waiting for the right moment to strike and everything. You know, that's part of what made uh, 4-1 so difficult, was because you can't observe the eagles beforehand. They just kind of come out of the sky, and they ruin your day. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't observe their attack patterns. Um, basically, you just have to get hit by it the first time to learn what they do. Um, and then you go to the next eagle, and then he does a completely different attack pattern. So. Yeah. They all wear the same colors, but they're not on the same team. Right. Yes. My metaphor for the day. You can take that home and use it yourself. <laughs> <clears throat> um, actually, I think that... I always think of them as owls because of friggin' Castlevania 3, but no, they're like hawks. Um, the hawks are one point that I would, when I think of unintentional learning in this game, I think of the hawks. Because they swoop at me and my first reaction is just to jump out of the way. So that's just like my reaction time kicking in. But also, I just passed the level that way just by jumping every time one got near me. Um, so that was something the game fostered in me, and I learned, not like by studying the owls, but just by... I got into a habit, and it happened to get me through stuff. But it sounds like that doesn't quite work for everybody. Uh, I think what you just said worked well for, like, the bats, for instance. Um, like, I jumped... Oh, I just bats. I just jumped over the bats most of the time, and I got through fine with doing that. Um, and the bats had some different patterns, too, but for the most part I was able to avoid them. And the bats the have way less just... health. The, um, the bats die usually in just one hit. Yeah. Right. If, if you have time to, to kind of, like, I think one of the reasons this game is so reaction-based, or I mean is, uh, is so learning-based as opposed to reaction-based is it's just a slow game. Like, your controls aren't really suited to reacting extremely fast to everything, you need to be ready for things. Um, as opposed to, like, Mega Man or Sonic or something, where you have uh, a lot more immediate control over what you do. Yeah, I so, thought I mean, the Dr. Social could have used the spin dash. <laughs> <laughs> um, that actually, like, to return to last week for one second, um, that is kind of an interesting thing between Master of Darkness and Castlevania, in that the protagonists are similarly slow, but in Master of Darkness, the enemies are a whole heck of a lot faster than in Castlevania. So let's uh, let's just broaden out the scope here a little bit towards the end. Uh, are games you enjoy typically more reaction-oriented or learning-oriented, Shouty? Hmm. I think I think I prefer learning actually, um, because I feel like if I know the game. I'll enjoy it more. So you like just being able to cheese it through? Yeah, pretty much. Zanrio, how about you? Yeah, um, I don't know, but when I think about most of the games, I like them. Most of them are more, more worth learning. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Supek? Uh, yeah, I definitely prefer learning sort of games. Uh, I think the main reason is I'm just bad at reaction time kind <laughs> of games. I'm very, very, very bad at Mega Man. Um, I uh, I like games that I can learn and then prepare for doing something. Uh, so, 
you know, I don't have to rely on my admittedly horrible um, reaction time gamer skills. We got behind you. Sorry, that is uh... <laughs> Super's dead now. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Mario fan. Okay, um, just so I got the definition straight here, uh, what, what would something like Super Mario Brothers be? I've, that depends on the person's experience, but in my experience, I was actually going to say Super Mario Bros. is the reason I'm more of a reaction time kind of person. Um, but you could say, well, Super Mario Bros. is about learning that Hammer Bros. are jerks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. Oh man, I was Hammer Bros. I think... Mario started out as reactionary, but then it sort of leaned more to learning, especially in the new Super Mario Bros. games. Yeah. Yes. I think I just especially go with the, the gimmicks. Flow. Just go with the flow? I don't have a straight answer. Yeah. So you just like whatever the video game gives to you? Yes. I am easy to please. And I got that right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> My feelings. I'm uh, I'm doing the thing where I lick my finger and put it down and pretend that it's kissing. <laughs> and yeah, I guess I already uh, sort of threw in my answer. So learning seems to be an important part of gameplay. But that raises an interesting question for procedurally generated games. How do you learn something that's apparently randomly put together? Well, I spoke to indie developer Jonathan Wright in order to see how he handled it in his own procedurally generated game, Dark Run. Now, Jonathan, would you be able to describe Dark Run for us? It's a in-fine chase game that... Uh... You run through an infinitely generated series of corridors, and running away from a dark abyss that attempts to catch you, and you can run into various monsters that um, can hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so before we, we get into any details, just a basic question uh, that I intend to ask any game developer that we have on this podcast. Um, as a game player, do you tend to think of games... Uh, as an isolated work, or do you think of them in terms of their authors, or in terms of your own experience of them? I think I always think of them, with this, you know, with the author's intent in mind, you know, because that's quite interesting to think what they're trying to do with it and so forth. Um, what they're trying to convey. Yeah, and what their goals are in making games and so forth, and you know, because I'm developing myself, that interests me quite a lot. Um, I think if I wasn't a game developer, I don't think I would care so much about the creators. Um, yeah. As a creator yourself, you have an interest in your own intent. Well, I do, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I don't really expect the players of my game to be interested in what I'm trying to do, but so much. Um, okay. Uh, now that that's out of the way, uh, earlier in the podcast, we were talking about how reaction time and learning play off of each other in gameplay. So that leaves an interesting question for procedurally generated games like Dark Run, um, where the question is, 
can you really learn a procedurally generated game? So I was wondering, in Dark Run's case, were you thinking about player learning when you made it? Yeah, so I think about the procedurally generated thing. I think just because you're not learning the layout of the levels doesn't mean that you don't learn the mechanics and how things work in that regard. Like in Dark Run, obviously you're continually trying to navigate the level on the fly, but you get better at navigating as you go on and you learn what the different monsters' behavior is as you go on. I think there's a lot of other games like that as well, like Spelunky, where you the cave is different every time, but uh, you learn the mechanics of the game, but the level itself and how the you know enemies are spread out and so forth is different every time. Yeah, so I think just because the level is different doesn't mean that you can't continually kind of learn the game and get better at it. So even though there are randomly placed elements, those elements themselves are consistent. Yeah, that's it. So you learn what those elements do, and when you encounter them, you can react appropriately. Okay. That sort of thing. So, was there any way in which you tried to foster player learning? Yeah, kind of. Like, at the beginning of testing, like, basically it was way, way too hard at the beginning. Um, like, the, the blackling would just catch up to you way too fast. So what I did was, um, like, at the beginning, the black thing, it's basically very reactive to how fast you're going. So if you go very slowly, it kind of goes very slowly behind you, and if you go faster, it, it keeps up with you. So what that means is you can kind of start off quite slow at the beginning and not get killed immediately and can kind of, hopefully, kind of not <laughs> kind of die, <laughs> which is the problem. Yeah, um, I, I didn't notice that, actually. Yeah, if you just, like, stand, like, still at the beginning, it'll actually be really, really slow and will, like, leave you alone for a bit. Okay. But as the game, yeah, as the game goes on, it's, um, it gradually replaces that kind of reactiveness of just being faster and faster and not slowing down. So I guess part of uh, allowing a player to learn is giving the player some amnesty, uh, giving them time to do something without any consequence? Yeah, some kind of space to learn, you could say, I guess. Yeah, okay. Um, so another matter brought up then is uh, we also talked about reaction time. Basically, uh, if you're better with reaction time, you're able to evade things rather than learn how to evade things. And what's interesting is that uh, reaction time is uniquely handled in Dark Run as well, in that uh, you have a decreased field of vision in that you can only see a circle on the screen as opposed to the entire rectangle. Why did you decide to go with the decreased uh, field of vision? Yeah, so like at the start it was actually just as a kind of novel visual thing <laughs> um, in the, like, the early prototype. But I think I kept it in because it, it kind of sort of adds to the atmosphere in a bit. And what it also means is that from the play you can see in all directions the same distance. If I kept the field of view as a square, it means that you can see the from the player to the corner of the screen you have a larger uh, length of distance you can see than from the player to like the top of the screen. I don't know if I explained that right, but that, uh, it's... Yeah, so, uh... In a sense, it makes the game more fair. Yeah, it means that all directions that you can go in, you have the same distance you can view them in, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, uh, there's a radius from the player. Yeah. And so was there any trouble in testing uh, regarding the field of vision thing? Like, uh, was that the field of vision you decided on initially, or did it take some playing with? I mostly kind of react, I kind of like 
change the game around that if there was like a problem with you know how fast someone could react to a monster I kind of you know tweaked the monster or whatever so yeah I guess it wasn't too much of a big deal so there were problems regarding the the player's field of vision but you liked it so much that you uh, you tweaked the game to fit it yeah you could say that okay that's a that's a pretty interesting approach uh thanks for coming on uh, oh, okay is that it? <laughs> I guess, uh, should I ask you where we can play uh, Dark Run? Yeah, you can play it at, um, well, you can just Google the name, really, and it's the first result, I think. So, <laughs> I can, uh, yeah. That's how I found it, so. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> All right, thanks. Right, okay. <laughs>
Bye. Bye. If only we hadn't spent so long echoing. So I can just let out of Skype now? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we got to stick with my theory. I I mean, I can't tell if it's intentionally silly, but it is like a, a really silly concept, but then it actually legitimately works. Really? You think it works? I do. I don't. <laughs> impressed? I, I, I mean, I think it's... I think it's appropriately primitive, considering that it's a game made at the time when games were like sort of morphing into something considered an art form by the public but they were largely entertainment based so i don't think games were analyzed to that extent at the time so uh you don't think that's something that an author would have considered yeah it, yeah for most uh games at least most game developers wouldn't consider putting some uh symbolism like that in their game Unless it was like a high-end story-based game, like an RPG. Yeah, and even then, that even then, those symbols are pretty primitive. Chances that the developers intended uh, the Freudian um, id super eagle model for Master of Darkness. I'm gonna say like about zero. Uh, <laughs> um, no, no way in any universe did they intend any of that. <laughs> However, are you sure? Um, are you sure they weren't? They I'll find the universe. In the game version. <laughs> <laughs> now that we have six batteries uh, However, to uh, as, as an English major, I know that it doesn't matter what the author actually felt. You can you just go. make up whatever you want yeah. and then find evidence for whatever you want to say. And I think Shouty has done that very effectively. <laughs> Thank you. The, uh, the art of BS. Even if it wasn't intentional that they would reference... Uh, Freud. It's Shouty's theory still speaks to a sensibility of variety in adversaries and atmospheres. I mean, yes, adversaries and locations, and maybe it just so happens to, you know, in its own silly little way, line up with Freud. I mean, the protagonist name is Doctor Social. I feel like that's a, that's a little too uh, <laughs> a little too obvious for me. There had to be some kind of psychological symbolism here. Well, Let's uh, name him after a concept. <laughs> Great. Maybe he just is is concerned about uh, Dracula's mental health. <laughs> he, wants, he wants to become his therapist. Yeah. I just want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> talk to you with my stakes. <laughs> I guess well, you could say do. the stakes are high. <laughs> uh, I well, we do know uh, we do know Dracula had uh, some multiple personality disorder. He was just like splitting up all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You're right. Oh god. He, he wasn't really sure who he was. Doctor Social gonna try his damnedest to find out. That's right. Doctor Social's gonna find the real Dracula, and he's going to attack him. That's how therapy works, right? <laughs> Pretty sure. <laughs> oh yeah, my therapist throws stakes at me all the time. <laughs> all right, uh, are we ready to close the books on Master of Darkness? I think so. If we're just gonna uh, 
just uh, step over my stages of grief theory. Oh, we. Oh yeah, that's a. I think that that sounds a little more solid than mine. Um, Since you experienced, it was a theory I made up on the spot just to uh, have a competing intellectual sound. <laughs> Where, would well, you, uh, let's try and make sense of it. Elaborate. If you don't mind. Uh, well, the um, the stages of grief are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. I think we can all agree that uh, stage four is depression. Um, <laughs> the embodiment of depression. You know those uh, commercials with the with the egg walking around and it's all sad and it's like sometimes depression can be like rain on a sunny day. Is it is I gonna have a commercial where it's like sometimes depression is like the hawks? From Are you saying depression. that that egg in the depression commercials is me? <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> I mean, you are a soup egg. <laughs> It fits too well. <laughs> it was intentional. Sometimes depression is just stage four of Master of Darkness. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't have interrupted. Um, continue. I think the bargaining stage of grief was uh, going into chat and asking everyone to tell me how to play this stupid game. <laughs> well, I mean, bargaining is a third stage, right? Epitaph? Bargaining is a third stage, yeah. Um, I think, like, stage three in the, uh, in the first act, it has that, um, that shortcut. So oh, maybe yeah. that's like a bargain. Yeah. <laughs> Making out like a bandit. Different kind of bargain. I mean, you're bargaining with the stage to make it easier. You fall into yeah. the bargain bin. Although, I mean, <laughs> you do fall into a pit of spikes when you take that shortcut. <laughs> true. I don't know. But it does make the level shorter. It's pretty rough. And you can get a, a one-up. And since the game restarts your health, uh, and you move through the axe and the stages, um, it's largely negligible. I, I think I went through the entire stages of grief just during level 5. It was a recap of the entire game. But you're supposed game. to accept it. Eventually, accept it, um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I was in denial at first. I mean, I was just going through level five, like it was fun. Like, oh, this is—I'm just gonna keep going up. And then I realized, hey, um, I'm in the same screen I was. That makes me pretty angry. <laughs> um, and I started getting lost, uh, so I went to chat and bargained um, and uh, and asked uh, how to get out of this. Um, I was pretty depressed because uh, even after being told explicitly where to go, I still couldn't find it. Um, so I just kind of fell into a morose depression, and my timer ran out. Like I said, they accepted. I still don't accept it, though, so I think I'm still oh. on the depression stage. You'll get oh. through it. I still refuse to accept that it was a legitimate level that wasn't terrible. I can't believe we're actually discussing this. I was joking. <laughs> or I don't know. It sounded more solid than mine because, you know, five stages of grief, five, five levels. Master of Grief. There you go. Was its working title. Um, to, to be fair, even this time I timed out on World Five before I found out what to do, because I, I had forgotten. I knew it was a maze, but I didn't know like the way out. Ah, uh, those were very insightful theories on Master of Darkness. I think. Worth it. I'm gonna have to replay them now, and you know, go through the process where I bargain in chance. Um, that was. Intentional, I'm sure.
so final notes. Uh, earlier, we were discussing a uh, the notion that gameplay could be uh, a combination of learning and reaction time, uh, and I feel it's worth noting that that concept of gameplay assumes that there's a challenge you're trying to overcome, that you're trying to clear some obstacle, that there's a singular goal, at least one kind of singular goal, which admittedly might be a little limiting in, in terms of gameplay. Um, but we're just, we're sort of playing along with Master of Darkness, um, so it's justified in that sense, I think. So does anyone else have any final words to play? Um, pass. You say pass? I said pass. Okay. Uh, wise final words. <laughs> Word. Uh, Wario fan? Well, if anyone is interested in Master of Darkness, it will probably be coming to the 3DS eventually, someday. Eventually, someday. Eventually, someday. Uh, and shouty. How many mm. last things to shout? I'd like to end this note on saying that you should never use the term Metroidvania if you're a gaming journalist. Words to live by. <laughs> um, but that's a problem because there are no gaming journalists. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just just imagine what I said in in huge quotes. <laughs> Maybe you should just never use the term. Just imagine a universe where game journalists. Yeah, but I feel exist. like if we can if we can start with gaming journalists, it won't become as a prevalent problem because you know they're the they're sort of the avatars. For gamers, we looked up. We look up to them and emulate them. I can't really list any gaming journalists I emulate and look up to. Golem. Uh, Yahtzee. Well, oh yeah, I guess Go there's. Golem's the like, only one. It's kind of hard because you're kind of my friend. <laughs> well, I guess that's it for All last right. week. Uh, I'm glad everyone had a fun time with Master of Darkness <laughs> and thought it was very simple. Uh, we don't have a game decided for next time. I guess next time we'll be playing a, a new game, right? Yes. Hopefully. Or we're just going to just keep playing Master Darkness for the rest of our lives. The rest of our lives! All music used in this podcast was from Master of Darkness. I'll leave you on this thought. <laughs>